just going to share from a couple of scriptures here and then we'll see what God has for us. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 1. And it says, Be, be you therefore followers of God as dearly beloved children, walking in love as Christ has loved us and has given himself for, for us an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling savor, a beautiful aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as it becomes saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. This is just, just in these verses, it's showing us what our true character is and how our past is all gone, as far as God is concerned. And it says this, For you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God in Christ. And of course, that's not who we are in Christ. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things come the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience or rebellion. Be be you not therefore partakers with him, for you were sometimes darkness. Notice that? For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light. But now light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Notice, children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved, really discovered here, but all things that are discovered are made manifest, listen, by the light. By the light. But whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore he says, Awake you that sleep. Where do we sleep? We sleep in the dark. And arise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. Then you will see, circumspectly, not on as fools in your own wisdom, but as wise in Christ, Redeeming the time, because the days are evil in active opposition to God's divine good. They are evil. They're evil. Now, and so we can see here, and now we'll go to James, and we're going to go to a few other scriptures. And we just had a time, I had a time with my friend this morning, we were discussing some of these Verses, and obviously, when I say discussing them, God was giving us understanding. In James chapter 1, in verse 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. That's why Jesus said in John 3.27, Can a man receive anything except it come from heaven? Of course, that was speaking of Christ. And comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And it says, of his own will. Notice that. It's his will, not ours. It's ours submitted to him. And how do we do that? And obviously, it is through the, it's through the light. 
the scriptures, the very word of God that is Christ, of his own will, he begot us again with the word of truth in this new life that's ours in Christ based upon that light. Remember, the we're the light. We are the children of the light. This is Ephesians 5 and verse 8, which we just read. And this also is 1 Thessalonians 5. And we'll get into that in a moment. In verses 5 through 8. So of his own will he begot us, again with the word of truth, that we, that we ourselves, we, those that are in Christ, should be a the kind of first fruits of his, his creatures. Wherefore, my be beloved brethren, let every man be what? Swift to hear, slow to speak. Oh, to be swift to hear, swift to submit. Not only hear, but to submit to it. Not only to hear the word of God, but to, to, to submit to it. Slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man works not has nothing to do with the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. This brings in the reality of Hebrews 4 and verse 12, based upon John 17, 17. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And then the word of the Lord is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of the soul from the spirit, of the joints and the marrow. And as a critic, is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart where we store things up, whether it be Christ or other things. And this brings in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24. So where it says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. The meekness here is why we need the yoke in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. <clears throat> That's why in uh, Lamentations 3 and verse 27, it is a good thing that when we're young, to take the yoke, to submit to him. With meekness, the engrafted word, word, uh, word, which is that supernatural ability to deliver you, your souls, to deliver you from self-conscious living. But be you doers of the word. When it says the doers of the word here, this obviously is bringing in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation. This is personal, each one of us. Work out your own salvation. Why can we work it out? Because God worked it in in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Work out your own salvation, your whole Christian life, with a reverence and a trembling, for it is God which works in you both to will, through your submit, submitted will in James 4, 7, and to do of his good pleasure. What is his good pleasure? For, for we are his, Christ's workmanship. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. And how do we walk in them unless we have the light, unless we know our true character? Again, this brings in the reality of 1 John 1 and verse 7, which again teaches character and not conduct. It teaches our true character. Our true character is Ephesians 1 and verse 1. To the faithful that are in Christ. That's not doing. That's positional truth. The faithful that are in Christ. Well. Well this is what it says. Be doers of the word. And not hearers only. What? Who do we deceive first? Our own selves. We start living like the world. 
We live in the excuse of the world. We make excuses why we don't believe God, and when we don't, we live in the world. And who deceives the whole world in Revelations 12, 9? And for the believer, when he lives in the world, that's what the, Satan wants the believer to do, to live in the world, to make the excuses. Of course, in John 15, 22, Jesus Christ himself has done away with all cloaks, all excuses. There's no excuse for us to live in darkness. That's a choice. Sin is a choice. And this is First John 2, 1 and 2. My little children, see that you sin not. You don't have to sin. It's a choice. You don't, we don't have to live in darkness. It's a choice. We don't have to do that. But what brings in that reality is, is uh, John, the third chapter, verses 17 to 22. Men love darkness rather than light. Rather than light. Rather than true character. Christ. Christ is that light that came out from the Father, from this eternal embrace, a love life, and an exchange that nothing could disturb or distract. You see that in, in John 1, verses 1 and 2, all the way down to the 14th verse, all the way down through doing away with the works of the flesh, all the excuses in the darkness, into the 17th verse in John chapter 1. Ye be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, what's a doer? One who submits so that the work that's been done flows in and through him. Not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face. Notice that, natural. Natural, all those lust patterns. You know, all those lust patterns. What goes against James 1 and verse 17, the father of lights. We talked this morning before we came on this morning. The lights there, that goes into the urn and thummim. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, it's called lights and perfections. Lights and perfections. And we are complete in Him. We are filled up in Him in Colossians 2.10 because He is those lights and perfections. He, he brings a Father, the Father of all lights, through Jesus Christ because obviously no man can come unto Him. No man knows the Father but the Son. And no man knows the Son but the Father. This is Matthew 11, 27. This is John 6, 44. And John 6, 65. No man comes apart from either of those because in John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. So the, the very light that we are in our character is Christ who is the perfection. We are perfect. We are complete in Him. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. But he beholds his face in a natural glass, a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes what? Whose way? His way. When it's not Christ, when it's not our true character, there's where we make all the excuses experientially. There's where all the blame game is. All the, we must always remember, all of us, I must remember with you, and we all must remember. It is not that that goes into a man that defiles a man. This is Matthew chapter 15, 16 to 20. This is Mark chapter 7, verse 14 to 23. It isn't that that goes into a man that defiles a man. It's that that comes out, that defiles a man. No matter, no matter how I grew up, God used that. Maybe the enemy meant it for evil. 
But God meant it for good in, in uh, Genesis 50 and verse 20. God meant it for good. God did. And we don't blame people. No longer do we blame people, how we grew up, what they did to us, what we did to ourselves. The whole blame game has been dealt with. We see that in Genesis 3 and verse 15. Christ on the cross did away with the blame game and all the excuses in John 15 and verse 22. Why do we make excuses? We'll see. For he beholds himself and goes what? His way. Not Christ's way, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am what? The light. You see this? True character. True character. No darkness in it. No darkness. Christ came and he penetrated the darkness. And in John 1, 5, it didn't overcome him. And this is the message then, true fellowship in the light. In 1 John 1. 1 through 4, it's 5, that God is light, truly who we are in our image, and in him is no darkness. Listen, in Christ there's no excuse. Again, that's John 15 and verse 22. There is no excuse. Well, but whoso, but when you look and you go his way, there is a way that seems right unto a man when he functions in darkness, but in in Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25, the way that is, is the way of death separated from truly who we are. You know, when we live separated from the truth, the spoken word of God, which is present reality, unchangeable, immutable truth about who God is and his nature, character, and essence, we make excuses. We make excuses because we go back into the darkness of the world, the world system, and we make excuses. Why I can't trust God. Having done all, having done all for us, he's not trustworthy for the details of life. What he's called us to do. You know what God calls us to do? He gives himself in us to do it. We don't have to be like Martha in the kitchen in Luke 10, 38 to 42, Serving God in irritation and submission and thinking that she's in superstition, I should say, and thinking that she's serving God when Mary is sitting at his feet, resting in his love and receiving that life that does the serving, that and, and facing him and reflecting truthfully the light of who she is in him and who he is in her. Who he is in her based upon who she is in him. And just like us in Christ. Well, he's like a man that looks into a mirror. He beholds himself and he goes his way. And right away forgets what manner of man he was. You know, when we forget who Christ is and what he's accomplished, we live in the blame game. Then we think we've got to do something about it. And we go about trying to use the scriptures to do something about it. Not, that's not light. That's not the father of lights and perfection. That's what the Urim and Thummim meant in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. Lights and perfections. That's who Christ is. 
And that's who we are in him. Again, in 1 John 1, 7. You know, James 1, 17 has to do with 1 John 1, 7, has to do with John 8 and verse 12. It has to do with John 1 and verse 5. It has to do with 1 John 1, 5. This is the message then. This is the whole counsel. This is the whole message. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. None whatsoever. Not in him. But is there any still in our experience that, that we need to be separated from it? What is self-consciousness but living in the darkness and deception and constantly living and constantly trying to deal with the accusations of the enemy in Revelation 12, 9, and 10. He goes his way and forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect, you see the perfect law of liberty? That's lights and perfections. That's Christ himself. That's the type of the Urim and Thummims. That is who Christ is in us. That's who we are in him. The perfect law of liberty, freedom, and continues therein, continues. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, a receiver, so the work is being done in him and through him individually. This man will be blessed in his deed or whatever he does. If any man among you seems to be spiritual <laughs> and bridles not his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion, and that's when it is religion. He's trying to do, religion is man trying to do something for God when Christ has already finished it. That's why it is in vain. In vain. But pure spirituality and undefiled, and, and pure spirituality and, and, and undefiled, which means an undefiled conscience, Titus 1 verse 15, what keeps me from living in the darkness of a defiled conscience. The whole sat satanic kingdom is one of darkness. And it defiles the conscience when we go, when we separate ourselves from Christ, from our true character. The light that's mine positionally no longer shines in me experientially. It's undefiled before God. And the Father is this, that we visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and we what? while we keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Well, this is what Jesus was teaching way back here in John the third chapter. In John the third chapter, this is what it says. For God so loved every human being, the mass of humanity, that's world here, by the way, all those that were under Satan, that he gave his only begotten, one of a kind, uniquely begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him and trust in him would not perish in that darkness, but have eternal life. Not everlasting, but eternal life. The Greek word zoe, Z-O-E. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. Thank God there's none for us in Romans 8, 1, based upon 2 and 3. That's why the flesh has to be dealt with in Romans chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. And that brings in the, the reality of Hebrews 4, 12. He has to separate the soul, self-conscious living in the darkness, in blame game, 
and the game of being de this being deceived and making excuses uh, and then being constantly accused by the enemy. That's not the, the normal Christian life, although that might happen. But our normal Christian life is Christ who is the light. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Delivered and saved. He that believes on him is not condemned. Isn't that interesting? Opposition is where there's no condemnation in Romans 8.1. How about our experience? How about my present thought life? My present condition? My present standing? Is unchangeable. How about my state, my experience? He that believes in him and can believes his word and knows who he is through the light and revelation and manifestation of Christ through the word is not condemned. But he that believes not, what? But he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name, the name here is the person of Christ and the work that he's accomplished, of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Here it is. That light has come into the world. And what? Men love darkness rather than light. Why do we make excuses as believers in Christ? When the word comes. Why do we make excuses? The reason is this. There hasn't been that separation in us those lust patterns, John 8, verse 44. Those lust patterns in Matthew 15, 16 to 20, and Mark chapter 7, verses 14 to 23, and Galatians chapter 5, 21 and 22, have not been separated from the experience like they are in our position in Christ. Position doesn't change. Sin never touches our position. It can't touch my true relationship with God, but it can affect my fellowship. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation. That light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light. Because why? Because their deeds were what? Evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be what? Discovered. Remember? Reproved there means discovered. Again, we're going back to Ephesians 5, 13 and 14. Whatsoever makes manifest or discovers is light. But he that does truth receives it, keeps coming to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest. Whose deeds and who's accomplished all of that is Jesus Christ. That they are what? Rod and God. God and God, there, there, there's no good works in man. There's no good works in a, in a believer that's saved. God hasn't called believers to separate themselves from Christ and to do good works to help Christ. He's never done that. That's lordship salvation. That's covenant theology. That's adding works, self-righteous rags to the, to the very person of Christ and the work that he's accomplished in Isaiah 64 and verse 6. Well, 
What, what, what does the light do? It manifests what Christ has accomplished for each and every single one of us. That's what the high priest had. He had Urim and Thummim, Aaron, the high priest, and the types, and the old covenant. Even the book of Exodus. And how it affects all the way through in Leviticus. He had lights and perfection. Lights and perfection. And that's who he is. Jesus, Jesus brings us the Father, the Father of all lights. I understand what God is like in his nature, character, and essence through the light that Christ is that came out of this love life. God is love. And the active energy of God's very nature is love. And out of that comes the purity of his nature, which is light. And that's who we are. Light is an element that refuses to be mixed with anything other than itself. And God will refuse us in Christ to have anything mixed with us that's not of his son. That's how much he loves his son. That's how much he loves us in his son. And that's why in 1 John 2 and verse 15, it says, love not the world. And again, I can't stress this enough. Love not the world. And this is something we all have to learn. Neither the things that are in the world. Anything that we put ahead of him from revealing the true reality of the light of who his son in us, true treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 is an idol. It, it no longer, we no longer function in the reality of the truth about who Christ is in us and who we are in him positionally. This is 1 John 5.20. And if that light stops reflecting the truth of our position, then what does the enemy use to stop it? It's called an idol. It's an idol. Anything that we have, anything that the enemy can use to get the believer to live, to compete with the reality of who Christ is in him as a vessel. Anything and every single thing. He will use. He will use. But Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is our light. When we function it experientially, out goes the darkness. The man comes home late at night after a hard night of work. He comes home into his house and the light is dark. Uh, the house, I should say, not the light. The house is dark. He comes in, and all he has to do is flip the switch. And what does the light do to the darkness? Out it goes. What God said is true. The promises, the very word of God, the very promises of God are all yea and amen in Christ. In Second Corinthians one twenty. God is not a man that he should lie. In Numbers 23 and verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should ever change his mind. The word repent in many translations is ever change his mind. Has he not said, listen, has he not said things to us and has the enemy come in and try to wear us out and doubt them? Has he not said, 
Well, will he not do it? Has he not spoken? Yes. And will he not bring it to pass in his time? Not my time. His time. Has he not done that? Has he beheld iniquity and sin in Jacob or in Israel? Absolutely not. No, he's dealt with it through Jesus Christ. He's dealt with every excuse, every sin. What is an excuse? Something that's wrapped in a lie. What causes us to function in life? We function under the father of all lies. He can't touch. Now listen, sin cannot touch my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's 1 John 5, 18. The wicked one touches us not. It can't touch eternal life, the life that Christ is in me and who I am in him. He can't touch true character. He can't touch true character. He can't. can't change God's mind, can he? Can he change my mind? No. He's the father all of all lies. He's a murderer from the beginning. The thief comes in John 10, 10a to steal, to kill, and destroy. Through what? Through sin, through blame game, through excuses. Many times God has taught us here with the richness of his word that he has done away with all excuses in John 3, 15. Right down through to the end. He's done away with all excuses. Sometimes we, we, we sin and we make excuses to live in the darkness of what we want to live in experientially that hasn't been yet separated. And that's why the word of the Lord is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts. One side cuts. The other heals. Heals. Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent his word. And what did he do? He healed them. And he delivered them from all their destructive patterns. We see this, John 8, 44. Satan is the father of lies. He's a murderer from the beginning because there was no truth in him. And the lust of your father you will do. Is he our father anymore? No, he's not. We have the father of all lights through Jesus Christ in John 1, 17. And he's given us his son, his lights, lights and perfection, father of all lights. And we have so much to be thankful for this morning. So much to be thankful for. And Father, we do thank you for the light that Christ is in us. And there's always a separating, sanctifying process. We even see that in the types of the creation of God. We see that in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3, right to the end of the chapter. He separated the night from the day. He separated it all. God said, said let there be light, and light was. And light was, and it is. The creative power, that light that's in us. And the Father of all lights, that's Him saying He refuses to have anything in us mixed with who His Son is in us and who we are in Him. And it takes the separating, sanctifying process. And it takes coming for all of us 
coming in humility and entreatability in every possible moment that we have to come and hear the word of God because faith comes by hearing. In Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, by the preaching and teaching of it, giving us the light, the unchangeable counsel of your very nature, character, and essence brought out to us through Jesus Christ. You'll notice that he was the light that came out of this love life. And when we function in that light, we see what love has accomplished. It's dealt with every one of our sins. It's crucified the old in Romans 6, 1 to 6. Dealt with all of our sins in Psalm 103, verse 12. But not only that, it's positioned us in his son and is training us to rule and reign with him in our own walk with him for all eternity in Revelations 2 and verse 17. And we have so much to be thankful for. Thank you, Father, that you're the Father of all lights and you came down in Jesus Christ and brought us a loving Father and a Savior in which nothing else is but the purity of the light of who he is. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.